Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 207. This is a County Road 66 production. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. And Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to find what's going on in the auction market and track trends, Aaron, if you were to pick someplace, where would you go look for that at? Well, I would go to Tractor Zoom. Tractor Zoom? No kidding. That's why I'd go too. And Tractor Zoom is a great place to find another little product called Iron Comps, which gives you all the searchable criteria that you need to really narrow down what it is your search is for. So, comparables. Comparables. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, if you were wanting to do something like that and you go to Iron Comps and decide you want to sign up for that, use Moving Iron at checkout and you get yourself a sweet little discount. Very nice. Now, onto the show. <laughs> now, we really didn't go anywhere, folks. We're still here. This week, Aaron and I sat around and racked our brains about stuff, what we could talk about. and Pretty went, usual. Pretty usual, yeah. And the one thing Aaron and I do spend some a fair amount of time talking about, not because we're like keeping up on values or really any of that kind of thing, but just more of connoisseurs, I think, is the best way to put yeah, that. Actually something yeah. we, we both use yeah. all the time. Yep. And it's, it's the good old-fashioned side-by-side. And so I think that's what we're going to talk about today as, as we kind of sit back and look at this. So in the farm equipment business, what I have found that there is actually a peak selling time for side-by-sides. And it is anywhere between mid-January to about mid-March. Calving season. Mm, of course. So by any time during or, calving. Or, or lambing. Season. Season, uh, yeah, lambing season, or also irrigation season. Easy with that right. cattle prejudice BS. So from a from a <laughs> from from a sorry to offend all of my my sheep listeners out there. I, I apologize. Yes, all three of us are very upset. <laughs> they have uh, so calving season or lambing season, whatever, whichever four legged creature you're out helping give birth to. That's that's a that's a good time for that. Also, in our neck of the woods, guys out checking irrigation pivots. Yes, and also that are that are uh, out checking just irrigation, flood irrigation pipes and those kind of things. That's another great place that we see a lot of these side by sides get sold into. Now, over the last, so kind of for us, first half of the year. Yeah, first half of the year. 
Yeah. January to May. You know, really, that's kind of a that's kind of a peak time. And then the second half of the season actually is peak time to sell all the used ones that come in that way. Correct. Because usually by this time of the year, we don't have a lot of used side by sides laying. No, out. we don't. And and as a frequent used connoisseur, <laughs> a lot of numbers in the herd there at home. Yeah. As a frequent connoisseur of the side by side, it's funny you say that too because as a frequent used connoisseur of the side by side, having God like four myself, which is ridiculous. I realize that. But all of those I have bought are May, June, July time frame. So that makes perfect sense that that's how that all flows together. Yep. So the other thing that I find about these side-by-sides that we have now is the number of people that come in here with uh, anywhere. I mean, I've got a friend of mine I go to church with that has a, has a, I think he has a Yamaha dealership and can't remember what else he carries. Not Polaris. Um, Can-Am. Yeah. Can-Am. And we were talking about this the other day about, you know, just the price of these things and how they've gotten. He goes, I'm having a hard time sitting down and talking with folks about a side-by-side that doesn't have, at a bare minimum, a cab. And it needs to really have a heater. And some guys have even scoffed at the idea of not having an air conditioner inside <laughs> right. of it. So. <laughs> exactly. To me, that that's one of the that's one of the craziest things about this whole side by side market. How much has expanded? It went from being I don't even know if I really even need a windshield, right? To like uh, I probably need a full enclosure and uh, better have air conditioning because it's hot outside, right? You know yeah. I mean? Well, and not only that, but <clears throat> God forbid, In a short you, amount of time too. Like it. Yeah. yeah. God forbid you buy that hundred and fifty dollar windshield. You know, (laughs) that, that was the thing. Like, Oh my God, man, that's pricey. And that was on the $6,000 gator. Right. Yeah. Now we have the $25,000. Yeah. And that doesn't have everything on it for everybody. You know, Yeah. it's, it just blows my mind. I have a used, I have a 2017 Polaris with a cab Mm -hmm. and I myself baby stepped into that world. I had nothing. I had a windshield and a roof. Mm-hmm. I had a soft cab, and then I got a, a full hard cab. And I'm the same way. Yeah. My God, if I got to do chores without the cab to one, yeah. I am pissed. Yeah. And it takes me from start to finish 15 minutes, yeah. of which a third of that or less is spent inside there. Yeah. But I get pissed because I want my cab. Right. You know? It's, it's amazing, too. Like, when I had... When I first moved out here, we had one sitting on the lot, and I bought it, and it was a... Uh, bush hog. Bush hog. That's right. It was a bush hog. And it's four-wheel drive, and it had a soft cab on it. And I remember having that set up, had a glass windshield, but it didn't have a windshield wiper, which I'm quite correlated why that Correct. that way. But nonetheless, they had, on a cold day... In between the heat coming off of the exhaust you, and the smell of, of of exhaust inside the cab, <laughs> it was pretty warm inside right. there. You know what I mean? Right. And warm, But warmer than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think it would be that warm. <clears throat> so that, that cab does make a difference. Now, I can understand that after you had one that's 
the fully sealed cab, like these new ones are, that are like a vehicle cab. Oh, yeah. And you shut the door, and you can't hear anything outside because it's quiet. You know, you're driving down the road, and it's a cold day, and you got the heater on just a little bit. you got the radio playing, you oh, know. Yeah. It's like you're just like your little Sunday driver. And you throw air conditioning on top of that, and then you have to actually, like, sit outside with the rest of the ham and eggers that don't have a windshield <laughs> on there. You know what I mean? I can understand... I can understand why that would be that step backwards would come there. I hear you. I hear you. Now, as <clears throat> as for, from personal experience, now we have a mutual friend who oh, put, yeah. puts on thirty thousand miles a year <laughs> on on a Gator. Yeah. He drives it every single damn day, yeah. every day after work. Yeah. Now, mine are covered in shit and. They get beat up. Nobody cares. They're they're for work. We don't cruise down the road. One of them we do drive around, but mostly they're just like this one's for building fence. This one is daily chores. This one over here is on its last leg, but it's not worth anything. So we'll finish her off someday. <clears throat> not being a road warrior. I j- just personal preference, and I know the marketplace is all over it. The air conditioning, like I will yell at my children if they turn that on. Like, there's no need to ever, ever have that. But you take these cab units, you do need that. Yeah, you can roll your windows down, you can open vents, you know, do all that kind of stuff that you can on them. It is hot in there, dude. All right. And I think as they've, you know, as everybody's gone to this HVAC, the the wonderful fit and finish cab, air conditioning pretty much is mandatory on most of them because it is hot in that cab. Yeah. Yeah. And even like those. Uh, I make my kids sweat, but right. that's me. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to do something like that. So about once, once a year or so. My family gets together and we all take a trip to to the mountains and we you know get the side by side thing and we just right go. on. I always you know I get one and I, I take it down there and I had one this year that was uh, no cab, no roof, no anything, and you get those those like sporadic mountain like absolute downpour yeah, for or, thirty seconds or like the the freak like little sleet slash snow oh, thing yeah. going on you know that's fun. <clears throat> so that'd have been nice to have a cab in. I was thinking about that the whole time I was on the mountaintop where it was, you know, 45, 50 degrees, 55 degrees, and then the next second it was it was 8. And I was like, man, it should be nice to have a cab with heat right now and not shivering death. But I think that is a – the odd thing that I find about this marketplace and the way that, that these things work together is that whether it's – when you name the brand, doesn't matter what it is. Right. What these things cost now? Oh my God! And, and but the thing about it is, people people line up to buy them. Though it's not like there's a, you know what I mean? Like there's not aged inventory laying around out there that, of, of stuff that hasn't been sold yet. Well, and, and you're exactly right to 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 hit to dig into that for a second. I almost laughed because we sit here and talk about four hundred thousand dollar used. pieces of machinery and we're both having a meltdown about a $25,000 gator right Right. however like you said people lined up to buy them 
town, acreage, small farm, medium farm, huge farm, just crops, just livestock. They all buy the side-by-side. Right. Only one of them guys buys that $400,000 used piece of machinery. Absolutely true. Very true. Yeah. No, that's, that's and, and, and that's the beauty of it is as they've refined these things, the the large property owner, the hunter-fisher outdoorsman in town, they've had them for 10, 15 years. Those, you know, that segment really yep. blowing up. And now it's like double time because they all have their, you know, 2007 Polaris Ranger 900 with 26 miles on because right, yeah. <laughs> that's how far it is from the pickup to the deer stand and right. back. Yeah. But they're, they trip over themselves to get the, you know, the Polaris North Star, the John Deere R or, yeah. you know, the, the top of the line Yamaha. So, I mean, and that's what's so funny to me is it is, it, it's something that I, <clears throat> even, you know, as a guy who lives and breathes selling 780 combines, mm-hmm. I look at that thing as that trim, okay, 100% luxury item, right? You can get, now, obviously we make the argument all the time, yes, a... 9860 will go pick corn, so will a 780. Very different rigs, okay? Right. But you take the the full HVAC side-by-side versus the non, the, the open structure, if right. you will, side-by-side. This one isn't going to do anything more than this one will do. Right. It's just more comfortable. It's more creature features. Now. As I said, we have the one side-by-side that we drive around and do stuff with. I also went to the mountains twice Mountains twice this summer. I want open when I'm doing that. Why? When I'm driving around so take at home. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, plus it's nice. Right. Oh, yeah. My dad, he has, he has my oldest one, a ranger, drives it all summer long. Has a roof on it. He hates it. But I won't let him take it off. He wishes it was all the way open because it's summer. You know, why not? For those guys, yeah. you know, they, they're, what I'm getting at is not every single damn one of them has to have a cab, mm-hmm. but it's really going where it's, I'd say we're probably, us personally, we're probably, I'd say more than two thirds. We might be three fourths cab, if not more. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I kind of go both ways on the cab thing. I like the idea where the cab has easily removable doors. That's that's the one thing Absolutely. that I love the most. Even like because even on some of these ones now that have a really like the, the formed cab and everything, you can still take the doors off, but it's not just like it's lift, a chore. You're not just lifting them off the post and right. know, putting them in the garage for the summer. You yeah. know what I mean? So you have that whole that whole thing to, to think and do about. But the one thing that I would say is that. Of, from a depreciation structure, depreciation isn't necessarily that terrible bad for what you're for the number of miles that you put on. Like some of these guys that we're looking at, when they've got you know twelve fifteen hundred miles on them, you know, and they're 
And they well, we we get yeah. two year olds that have ten thousand plus miles. Yeah, yeah, we've got guys that you know. I've got a guy down here that had a. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think he bought it. He bought it at the beginning of the summer, irrigated with it all summer long, and he brought it back in and had like twelve thousand five hundred miles on it. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> right. but he's just driving up and down country roads and, and yep. just checking the irrigation pivot pipe and. That's a whole lot of life at forty. Ah, <sighs> no kidding, right? But. So I, don't know, I think I think there's a lot of things there, but the the draw for these is that there is a typically in one of these markets you have a in a market like uh, whether it's tractors, cars, whatever it is, there's a there's a one of the sides of the coin, either the used side or the new side, is a stronger marketplace. Right. And I can't say on the side by side market that there is a that the new is stronger than the used, and the used is stronger than the new. It it might teeter back and forth depending on. I'd say it teeters on. a lot, but it never finishes one direction. It's like fifty-one forty-nine. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. It's like really, really just kind of right there, back and forth from time to time. So we rarely do we ever have a Gator in inventory, a used Gator in inventory, or used Polaris, or used Can Am, or whatever it is that we've got. Rarely do we have something like that in inventory. That's not a complete hunk of crap, right? That we don't. We don't sell pretty quick, right? You know what I mean, right? Especially that like that that midsummer to fall time period, you know. So, yep, absolutely. I'm always searching inventory about that time, going like, "Sure, like to have one for the winter." (laughs) I'm always searching it every single damn day. (laughs) And I will, I will say this to piggyback on your comment about depreciation. There is hardly any if you truly look at hours used and miles driven on that full cab heat and AC, regardless of brand, right? there is hardly any depreciation on that rig compared to the open, fully open. Right. Dramatic difference. As someone who's always looking for the used full cabin heat, they hold their value better far better than anything else we sell out of this building <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it is amazing what, what that looks like but i would say this so if you're in the market for looking for a a used machine i'll tell you what there's not a better place to find it than at auction there's it always seems like older ones yeah older cheaper ones you know what i mean if you're looking to get into one it's a great place to look right like at auction you don't see the old original mules right and you don't see XUV 835Rs. Right. You see 10, 15-year-olds. Right. The problem is everybody sees them, everybody gets wound up, and yeah. like many things at an auction, used AMS, yeah. for instance, yeah. they bring about twice what they should, Right. but there's a lot there. Yep. So that's always, that's always the other thing, too. So there's another place that I find that's, that's a great place to go look for these things is... Is like the like the Craigslist of the world. Yes, there's always that kind of stuff on there. Absolutely. So that's that's a good thing. But you know, side by sides are something that that are they're a fun toy. They're a great work machine. You can do a lot of things with them. They've the the implements that you can buy. Oh yeah. Specifically made for that. That. Oh my God, the accessories. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just. For days, yeah, you know what I mean, like the track systems you can put on. Oh and yeah, snow blades, this and this, that, and the other thing. I saw one of them, they had a three point blade that bolted into the into the receiver hitch on yep. the back, so you could 
drag whatever, which I don't know how you see what you're doing because you're if, especially you don't have rearview mirrors. I don't know, but they make it. They make it though. They make it. Pretty impressive. Focus on that. All I've ever wanted to do is I wanted to get buy one to where I could get a winch on the front and the winch on the back for no know. real reason other than to have two other winches. Than to have two winches because I'm that cool. You know what you could do? You could grab a tree on each end. Yeah. And then just zip yourself up. Yeah. And you could sit. You just levitate. More than likely, you would flip upside down, and that would be a problem. That would be a problem. Or you would spin around, Uh at which point would be like an internet sensation. (laughs) Yeah. You get a lot of hits on your YouTube channel or something like that. (laughs) You would be quite sick. Yeah. And possibly injured. Or dead. But really popular. Yeah. People would be like, you'd make... Before the YouTube, you know, you get on the... You're not going to be dead because you're wearing your seatbelt in a protective structure. Right. Yeah. So you'll be fine, other than covered in puke, because you'll get sick when you're spinning. I feel like like a lot of these, especially not not the go-fast kinds, but just like your typical... Utility. Utility ones. I feel like that there's... Most people weld the seatbelt connector into the the seatbelt connector. And not actually wear it very often, like they should. Or there are certain brands that derate, yeah. If no seatbelt, and those brands are often found with the seatbelt constantly connected. Yep. yep. I got in one one time, and I was just moving it across the yard to put it someplace else. And I was like, "What is wrong with this?" Oh yeah, that is. It's like that going. That that like, that's almost when I got the shop guy. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with this thing? And he's like, "Got to put the seatbelt." I was like, "Oh." I'm the smartest guy in the room. Look at me. There you go. So, <clears throat> absolutely. But yeah. So there's, they're a fun toy. I enjoy it. But they are incredibly useful. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Like, I well, know, and and not just the irrigating thing. I mean, a yeah, they're expensive as hell, but it keeps that I- I- irrigating, especially if you're driving down pivot roads to the center point. Like a lot of places in the world are that way. And you're driving over that beat to shit road, you know, by the time it gets to August and your yeah. pumpkin gear on the pickups dragging and shit, but you got to check them. It saves a lot of that beat to death. And then the ranches, you know, obviously the beat to death it saves there is a lot more easy, a lot easier to see, right. you know, the fencing and beating through pastures and all that. Now. As everybody who owns one knows, the damn things are a long ways from Invincible. Right. I don't care what brand it is. There's a lot of maintenance involved in them things. But they're incredibly handy. My completely irrelevant operation, I use one every single day to do chores. By myself, I don't have to open and close a gate because I have one of those. Because I got those arched pass-throughs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I put... I haul 16 buckets in that thing every day over two pass-throughs, and there you go. Yeah. One main band. Yeah, so quite quite the, quite the rig, and I love them from a, especially from, a, I mean, someone that doesn't farm a ranch or anything like that, I enjoy the hell out of them, so good times. Absolutely. Good times. All right, Aaron, if I am listening to this podcast and I'm like, like, Holding on the table with pure anticipation. Complete. What would be the Aaron Fintel deal of the week? Woo! Well, since we're on Gators, and since we're talking about the fancy cabbed ones, mm-hmm. 
Let's ponder on this rig we have available. 2019 John Deere 835M, full cab heat AC, four-wheel drive, obviously, full all-terrain package. This little rig has the fender guards all the way around. It has the grill guard. It has the rear guard. It has everything possible on it. It has 6,200 hours. And it can be yours for $17,000. $17,000. Get out of here. And we just told you yeah. 45 times on this podcast what a new one costs. Right. So that's some savings. So is this one John Deere green camo? It is dark. John Deere green with the John Deere yellow machined aluminum wheels nice. and the bighorn mud tires. Outstanding. It is sexy as the day is long. So now that I've anticipatedly waited to get that deal... Yes. Now I'm like fumbling around with my phone. Oh my God! How, 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 how do, do I you get, get a, that deal? How do I get that deal from Aaron Fiddle? How do we go about that? How do we? Well, how do we do that? The best way to contact me: <clears throat> call or text 308-760-1193. Available just about any time of day on that, and very active on the Twitterverse at Aaron Double A Ron Fintel is my username. Catch me on that anytime. Right on. Right on. Did you ever have a three-wheeler growing up? I did. Did you? I did. I had one, too. We had a, the last year of the yellow Yamahas. Oh, okay. A 200 shaft electric start. Nice. That, and we got that, like, when a lot of the neighbors and stuff had, like, 110s, 185s. Kind of like before you saw a bunch of big reds around. Yeah. So that 200 Yammer Hammer was badass, yeah. man. So when I was growing up, we had, I don't know how my dad found these, but they were like early 80s. This is talking like, when was that? That would have been late 80s, early 90s, you know? And we lived in town, and back behind the town, there was like a, like a, it wasn't really an alley, but it was like overgrown thing. There's a creek that kind of yeah, sure. it, you know. <clears throat> and somehow my dad found these these three wheelers, and he got he got two of them so he could make one work. I do remember that. And then he did commonplace. He did find another one, but they were Hondas, and I want to say they were like 185s, maybe one like a 185 or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it had the big balloon tires on it. Oh know? yeah, you know, it wasn't the you know. Short low pros on the back with the taller tire in the front. It wasn't that. It was the big front right. you know, all the way around. Right. And so it was, uh, they were four speed and, but they weren't electric start. You had to pull. Right. Pull start. Yeah. So, yeah. So one day what we do is we go out the front, go around the street to the back and then ride this, this alley back and forth, you know. And one day I was zipping through there and I got going too fast and I went to push on the foot brake. To, to stop so I could slide around the corner and my foot slipped off the brake and you drove over your foot well no I was dragging on the ground and I didn't fall off but I kept going straight and I creamed creamed <laughs> into the creek okay <laughs> so, so this was like one one o'clock in the afternoon on a summer day and the last place I wanted my dad to find a three-wheeler was in the creek right right no one's home and I'm sure as hell I'm not gonna ask anybody for help so I gotta figure this thing out so luckily, this creek wasn't very deep. At the deepest spot, it was like two and a half, three feet deep, maybe, you know. And so I was driving this three-wheeler up and down this creek channel, 
long ways. And I finally found a place because it was all overgrown. So I was like, I just got to pick a place and go. (laughs) I got to make this work. So I just picked this hill and started climbing up it, and I finally did it. So then I came back in, figured out this new pass. I got this track thing. Came back, and my dad got home. He's like, what have you been doing today? I was like, I'll show you what I did today, Dad. I made a new path for the four-wheeler, or three-wheeler. I showed him where I, by accident, tell him that I was. <laughs> I didn't tell him that I was wrecked, basically, into the creek. Right. But I did that, and I climbed up this thing. So then we didn't read this whole deal. So one thing we could find, though, was that in that creek, we could ride the three-wheeler in that creek clear across town. Oh, in the bottom? In the bottom of the oh, creek. Oh, badass. And it, the creek, you know, it was a typical. It wasn't very wide. It was like right. four or five feet wide, you know, whatever, six feet wide. And you could start down at our house. You could drive it all the way to the other end of town in this creek, and the police could never find you. <laughs> so, which was the other which was the other fun part of this. Oh, so, goodness. I Growing up as a kid, my one of my favorite pastimes was trying to uh, evade the police officers as much as possible. For the shenanigans that I was pulling on a pretty regular basis in my small little town. so See, being an only child living in the country, I miss out on all that shit, dude. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know that you actually really... I mean, you missed out on mischief and... Yeah, exactly. Not necessarily the other stuff that came along with it. I did, however, catch up in later years. <laughs> so we got that out of it the all, way. It all worked out there. There, you go. there you go. You know what I love? I rem- I'll never forget this. We had that 200 Yamaha, and my uncle and a couple of his buddies were super big into, like, the 350X Hondas, mm-hmm. those red, white, and blue racers. Right. So he got one. And we were up rounding out cows one day, right? Or rounding up cows one day. And we were up at, up at the north pasture, getting them rounded up, getting them rounded up. And, you know, Dad's on the three-wheeler, just on the regular one, get them all rounded up. And there was a couple of them that, that bolted or something. So I ran to that yellow one and jump on it. And my uncle's over there on that 350X, and he's like, oh, this will round him up super fast, you know. <laughs> he's over there kick-starting some bitch. Couldn't get it started. <laughs> and my dad just, oh, he just loved the shit out of that. Like, oh, what's wrong with your big fancy three-wheeler? <laughs> being, the, being as he is, so yeah. that was pretty funny. In later years, I did get a... I've actually had a couple of them, and I didn't know they existed back in the day. They were made like 85, 86, but a Honda 250SX. That looks like your 185 and a 350X had a baby because it's still utility. Like, it still has racks and stuff, but and it has a metal tank, not a plastic tank, but it's real, and it's shaft, but it has, like, X suspension. Wow. Nice. They were they were super super badass. Yeah, and I found one. Absolutely got a steal on it online. Got it home, freshened it up, drove it twice, parked it, freshened it up, drove it, parked it, sold it. <laughs> you know, after having a four wheeler for so many years, yeah. driving a three wheeler sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Like you got to pay attention. Yeah, you got yeah. There's no on like, a four wheeler you just drive it, but on yeah. a three wheeler you got to pay attention. Yeah. Don't, and don't. it's sad because when I was like the last flag flyer of three wheelers, oh, they're so much better than four wheelers. You can go more places. You can turn better and blah, blah, blah. And then 
pause for about 10 years, don't have either, and then get both and never drive a three-wheeler. <laughs> yeah, yeah three-wheelers, is, it's a... Uh, definitely a different different feel it is that's what it is it is but they're so cool you know like that 200 yamaha we had yeah a above average size human as we both are you set the front wheel on there you lift the ass end up shut the tailgate take it wherever yeah you don't need ramps and then jack around with all that that's that's what i do miss about them Mm -hmm. but that's about it yeah and they're cool looking that was a and everybody made racers Oh, yeah. You know, you had the Kawasaki, the Yamaha Tri-Z, I think. Suzuki. Yeah, what was that? One of them had a... Was it the Takate, or was that Kawasaki? I think Kawasaki was was the Takate. Was that Suzuki? Okay. They all had cool names, though. You know, like, oh, God. Yeah. You know, like, mysterious and dangerous. Ninja names. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. Like, yes, this is a seat and engine and foot pegs. (laughs) And yep. yes, it will go eighty. Yeah. Yep. Well, nothing beats a good, good throwback story like a three wheeler. There you go. I didn't I haven't thought about a three wheeler since for the past thirty years until right now. So you know what else? Never wrecked a three wheeler. Never have. Never have wrecked. You a didn't try very hard then. I've wrecked four wheeler a lot. <laughs> I, I, I've had. I I've used to on, drive a three wheeler down a gravel road. That Yamaha was a five speed. Yeah, I used to drive that thing, full bore, fifth gear, and slide from ditch to ditch and make the prettiest design for a mile, and then get my ass chewed. <laughs> but it looked because you just you know you just like slalom yeah. for like a mile, just full bore, hammer down. Yeah, could have died at any point, but it sure was fun. I broke the fall of my three three wheeler more than one time. Yeah, so, I've done that, yeah. but not like wreck drag. Yeah, I haven't never like ran into a tree or anything, but I've rolled it off the side of a hill. I should rephrase that. I've never had a wreck because it only has three wheels. Oh well, I mean, yeah. I've, yeah. Other than the on top of you thing, I've done that several times. So yeah, good times. All right, Aaron. Folks, want to reach out to you get more information about the deal of the day or just. Some of the other fancy deals you got thrown out there on the Tweeterverse, what's the best way to do it? Or just in general. Just in general. Yeah. My cell phone, which is with me almost all the time, 308-760-1193. Call me or text me on that anytime. Or I'm very active on the Twitterverse, at AARonFintel. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at movingironllc.com. You can also go to the Moving Iron website. That's movingironllc.com. You can find me there, and you can find all the information about what's going on in the world of the Moving Iron podcast, the Moving Iron blog, and also the Moving Iron Summit coming up September 15th through the 17th in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's a good time to get together, network with some folks, and there's a great line of speakers that are going to have a lot of great information to talk about on just about anything that has to do with the equipment marketplace or um, just what's going to be happening with the weather or where, where the direction of the, of the industry is headed. So if you're a dealer, um, whether you're Deer Case, New Holland, whomever you might be, and you have interest in coming to that, make sure you hit me up at Moving Irons or Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. Or you can go to the website and you can sign up there as well. Go right to the uh, Moving Iron Summit tab at the top on the toolbar there. Drop down and grab that uh, 
information and it'll have all the places to sign up for the uh for the event and get hotel rooms and everything else so aaron you've been to that a lot what's your thoughts on that on that it is the absolute best thing best event to attend if you're in the used equipment business right on so couldn't say it better myself so with that i oh one more thing make sure you check out dryline farm podcast brent lane those guys are uh they make you laugh top notch top notch it's a uh, it's a podcast about nothing. It's the uh, Seinfeld of podcasts. So check that out, and you will uh, you will have been entertained for some while. So you can find them on the Global Ag Network and anywhere else that you can find a podcast, just like the Moving Iron Podcast. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. Hey, everyone. It's Jacqueline Kramowski with the Herdbook Ag Media, giving you your weekly moving iron ag news updates. News out of Washington this week. The Biden administration is looking to funnel Department of Agriculture Commodity Credit Corps funds away from farmers. This fund is normally reserved as aid for farmers in times of trade war, which was heavily used during the Trump administration, as well as during other market and financial difficulties. The administration has proposed using this money for other issues such as tackling climate change, supporting restaurants post-pandemic, and other kickstart programs, and they may be able to do this without waiting for Congress's approval. An army of small farmers marched on New Delhi this week in protest of changes to agricultural policy they believe would have a devastating impact on their livelihoods. Protesters believe the laws recently passed by the Indian Parliament would end guaranteed pricing, thus forcing them to do business with larger ag corporations instead of their preferred government-run markets. Overall, their concern is this movement favors the larger operations as opposed to the majority of small producers. And keep in mind, the majority of those reside on less than three acres of land on average. However, supporters of the policy say such changes are necessary to advance Indian farming into the modern world. All right, moving back a little closer to home. This year, more cancellations are on the horizon for major U.S. ag conferences and other events. The National Farm Machinery Show, typically held in Louisville, Kentucky, was recently canceled for this year and postponed into 2022. Likewise, the American Farm Bureau Federation Young Farmers and Ranchers Fusion Conference was recently moved to a virtual platform to be held in March. Some major events that are coming up, such as the World Dairy Expo held later this year, are still holding out hope that they will be able to host their live and in-person events, but time will tell. Aquaculture seems like it's on track to become the next big thing in the animal protein market. Greek Seafood just became the first global salmon producer to invest in land-based salmon farming. They are on track to start constructing their facility later this year, which is said to be capable of producing 5,000 tons annually with significant plans for future expansion. In a similar move, last year Pure Salmon announced it was investing $228 million more into its Virginia production facility. This would make it one of the largest equity investments in the region. This project will result in the world's largest vertically integrated aquaculture facility, capable of producing 20,000 tons of salmon per year. It's no secret that our agriculture and farming population specifically continues to age, but have we considered the industry's impact on those golden years? A new University of Iowa study showed that farm workers were more likely to have dementia, 
as high as 46% more compared to the average. It's difficult to show the role of pesticide exposure as contributing to this area, but more research may be forthcoming. On a lighter note, the Wall Street Journal reported that soaring grain prices, namely corn, soybeans, and wheat, could put the American farmer on a faster road to recovery post-pandemic. No surprise, a large portion of this is due to China demanding more from our exports, but also the fact that with so much being backlogged throughout the supply chain during last year, America happened to have a sizable crop glut ready to be sold and shipped off. While that is certainly good news in terms of our U.S. exports here, Globally, there may be some issues when it comes to Russia. Russia has recently declared that as of March 1, they will be increasing their wheat export tax. They say this is to curb demand for domestic food prices due to, again, COVID. Russia is one of the world's largest wheat exporters, and the rest of the world could be wary as this could lead to sky-high prices in the international market. All right, that should catch you up for this first week of February, brought to you by the Herdbook Ag Media, serving all your agribusiness writing, communication, and media needs. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or our company website, the-herdbook.com. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard working people Working hard for